0: Welcome to Liftoff from your friends at Relay FM.
1: Liftoff is a fortnightly show where you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the latest news about space and related subjects. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by the man of the moon, my co host, Mr. Jason <laughs> Snell.
0: Let me out. I'm on the moon. Help.
1: Help. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, We're going to do something
0: unusual in this episode.
1: We are. We are going to draft moons. <laughs>
0: we are. Mostly. We're going to draft moons.
1: I think all but one are in the outer solar system.
0: Yeah, there are not many good moons in the no. in the uh, inner solar system. Uh, but we'll explain the rules of the moon draft after we do our, uh, our pre-flight checklist. I think we should uh, hop on there first. What do you have in, uh, in pre-flight?
1: Uh, so uh, I wanted to point listeners to a couple stories about Virgin Galactic. They, uh, this past week, unveiled a new a uh, spaceship 2 and um we haven't really we actually I don't think we've ever really talked about Virgin Galactic but they're yeah. they're in this race of of having a um a, a vehicle that could be reused and their thing is much best i can tell and and correct me if this is an unfair characterization but it seems very much um like space tourism type stuff yeah. is their big drive right now at least
0: and That's exactly it it's it's uh you pay money and you go you get to say that you were in space
1: which would be fun, I think, but um. So anyway, so they they in 2014 they had a uh, a tragic accident uh, during a test flight in which actually one of the co-pilots was actually killed uh, back in 2014. And this is a new and improved version of that uh, vehicle. And Spaceship Two is actually two things. It is um the the smaller craft that the pilots you know take up and and. To really touch the edge of space um but it is launched uh in air from a vehicle called white knight two and it works uh if you're familiar with like the x one planes that were used you know these rocket planes used to break the sound barrier for the first time where uh it does take off and land like a like an airplane but um the ascent stage is part of a bigger craft yeah so spaceship two kind of drops away and then its rockets ignite and it takes off already in the atmosphere, if that makes any sense uh-huh. um it's a complicated system in fact uh in reading about some of that the reports on that accident in 2014 it's it's a very complex vehicle there's a lot of things for people to do at certain times, and they think that uh tragically that accident may have been um uh, human caused at a point that there was a pilot error and this this version is supposed to take care of that particular issue anyways um it's interesting because I think it's a very just from a vehicle standpoint, it's very different than what other people are doing. Um, but like SpaceX and uh Blue Origin and even NASA are doing now the return to the capsule design, that the spaceship two is a return to like this X one design back from decades ago, which I think is interesting. Right. Um, but so yeah, so they're they're in the news again and they're supposed to start having test flights. I think towards the end of the year and um, if they uh, are successful, then they will move March forward towards having uh, their paying customers on board, which I think is uh, wild, honestly.
0: (laughs) So they got to requalify this new design and all of that and basically, uh, you know, keep doing test flights and make sure that it's safe enough to take up uh, paying customers. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Pretty crazy.
0: And we're going to return to
1: my, uh, to be honest, least favorite vertical, but it's one that we have now, uh, <laughs> the space music video vertical. The, did you watch this uh, OK Go music video? I didn't. Okay, so so because this is uh, radio, uh, more or less, uh, there'll be a link mm. in the show notes to it. But uh, OK Go, you may be familiar with they do all these crazy music videos. My, yes, they do. They did one, I mean, it years ago, like running on treadmills that were on, which seems like the most dangerous thing you could do. Um, but this one they did uh, in a, a vomit comet like fashion. Basically you take an airplane very high and you do big dives with it. And so you get uh, short periods of, of basically free fall. And uh, this whole music video is done and it's edited together in a, in a spectacular fashion in which they are dancing around this plane and they're popping balloons full of paint and uh, they play with the gravity sum. So they'll do something and like they're turning it back on and they all land back in their seats. It's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, we've got a link uh, to the planetary blog about it where there's actually some uh, like some, some, behind the scenes stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, some behind the scenes video and, and a little bit of an interview about how they actually did it, which is fascinating. And it, it, it really is fun. Um, I'm not a huge okay go fan, but uh, the video was actually Pretty enjoyable to watch.
0: That's crazy, yeah. I mean this is like we know this from things like um from Apollo thirteen mm-hmm. where they've got uh where they use they have some some weightless segments that they shoot and they built a set uh in for Apollo thirteen on the Vomit Comet, basically. Uh and it does flies these parabolas, and so you're in free fall for a small amount of time and so they would shoot these these weightless free fall scenes in those brief moments that they were in that, um, you know, in that state, and but this is this entire music video shot using, um, you know, the same technique, which is pretty crazy.
1: It is. Uh, hats off to whoever came up with that idea. And it seems like in the behind-the-scenes video, you get an idea of just how short those uh, windows of time are, and just uh, it really is an impressive editing feet.
0: Yeah, it's 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 almost like stop motion animation because they only have these um these short amounts of time to do it and so they would then have to stop and then restart um which is it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, people should check that out. It's wild. I'm watching it now. It's it's uh that's cool. And it also it, it it shows you the challenge of shooting something that looks um realistically uh, zero gravity uh, for like a sci-fi show because it looks zero gravity really looks strange <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's very hard like on the expanse the sci-fi series there's a, a scene where they take a great effort to make it look like zero G and the, then the woman comes out a door and she ties her hair back and you can tell she's tying her hair back because they don't have the budget to show her hair floating <laughs> in zero G anymore so you know it's hard. But uh, that's pretty awesome. So you made a purchase this week. What what did what did you buy? I bought a domain, Stephen. I bought a domain.
1: Out of control, Jason. You're out of control.
0: No, this is uh, this is I I just had this thought because we started the liftoff uh, podcast Tumblr, which people can go go to, um, and I thought it should have its own domain. And you know, liftoffpodcast.com dot com is not available. Um, and Mike Hurley was nice enough to have spaceandsider.com dot com redirect to it because he bought that domain a long time ago when we were talking about doing this podcast. But it turns out that there is a new top-level domain that I was not aware of because there are so many that we are not aware of anymore. That is .space. And that's why you can now find our Tumblr uh, with lots of links that we share about space stuff at liftoffpodcast.space.
1: My favorite part, well, not my favorite part, my least favorite part, really, about all of these Top new top level domains is that things like Google Docs don't sometimes recognize it as they a don't, URL. They don't, think,
0: they don't think it's a URL, so yeah. So it'll
1: break, but um, so it's cool. You can still it, it's it's just point to the Tumblr, and um, that's a pretty fine looking domain name. You got us.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you can't, it doesn't work. You can go to liftoffpodcast.tumblr.com, but for heaven's sake, why would you do that when you can go to liftoffpodcast.space? Space. It is way cooler. <laughs> it really is, and that's why I bought it. Very cool.
1: So this week, as we as we talked about, we are going to draft some moons. So Jason, for those who may not be familiar with how this will work, how will this work?
0: Okay, so uh, drafting is something that uh, if you played fantasy sports, you may have heard about. If you've listened to my podcast, The Incomparable, you may have heard about it because we do drafts over there. Draft, uh, Drafting, basically, you've got a finite number of things and you take turns. Sometimes it's a large group. Sometimes it's only a couple of people. You take turns choosing items from that list. So once an item is taken, the other person doesn't get it. Now, in this case, we're drafting moons, and I'm not quite sure what that means in terms of uh, you know, I, I think we're doing it for bragging rights and not like assembling our own planet that's going to have these moons circling it. I, that's not part of the thought process here. Um, it's it's really a way for us to talk about some interesting moons of the solar system uh, in uh, in a draft format. So, you know, you get bragging rights if you get a moon that you like and you're sad if somebody takes um, picks a moon that you were going to pick. And we'll also see how we, how we prioritize these moons and value them and what, what moon is the last pick. You know, the last moon picked on the playground is a very sad thing if you're a moon.
1: <laughs> uh, right. So there I think we have uh, 10 we can pull from. Uh, this is this that we prepared. Yes. I've prepared my own list here in my paper notebook of the ones that I would like
0: Yes, me too. I've got I've got it here in a little text file because I don't use paper or notebooks or pens. Um, and we will see we will see how it works out. I, I guess technically all moons are eligible, but it's unlikely. Uh, we we've we've already put in like the best moons. Yeah. So yeah, We and we're we stack and, the and deck. we're putting and we're putting Earth's moon on the board. It's a it's a it's a free space. Everybody gets Earth's moon because uh, just look up and there it is. So we we're not going to draft Earth's moon. These are other moons of the solar system. That is the uh, that's right. the deal. So you you have you are I I foisted this concept on you. So I'm going to let you have the first pick in the moon draft.
1: All right. Well, I uh, I'm going to start and I'm going to go big. So I'm going to pick Titan, which is Saturn's largest moon. It is the second largest moon ever, but I like or at least in our solar system. But I like that it's Saturn's uh, uh-huh. largest moon. And I I picked it for really one. Um, really, two things I would say, and and okay, uh, the first is that it appears, as far as we know today, that it is the only object in the so- solar system besides our dear Earth that there is evidence of stable bodies of surface liquid. It's believed mm-hmm. that Titan has uh, surface lakes of liquid methane, which is cool. Uh, not something you really want to go skinny dipping in, but I like the fact that there's uh. Evidence of of stable, uh, liquid on this surface. You don't right, get and, that a lot of other places. You get a lot of frozen and, stuff. Who cares? And we've
0: talked about how it's this weird. It's the weird super cold chemistry where, where uh, at these temperatures, the things that we think of as liquid, like water, are hard as a rock. But things that we think of as gas are liquid, like methane. And it's methane that you know methane lakes on uh, on uh, Titan. True. Pretty crazy. Uh,
1: and the second factor that goes into my decision for picking Titan first is that it is the only moon known to have a dense atmosphere. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite
0: thing about Titan. It's got that thick atmosphere.
1: Right. A lot of moons have uh, evidence of thin atmosphere, you know, that that may just even be off-gassing from the surface and not really an atmosphere. But uh, Titan's atmosphere is believed is to be like 98% nitrogen, uh, with the rest of it being methane and, and hydrogen, which is pretty cool. Um, and this atmosphere is like... Uh, Venus is where it spins much faster than the surface below it which is interesting and it is believed to be twice as thick as ours so Titan really swung for the fences when it when it came to uh atmosphere it said you know what we're going to go all the way we're going
0: go twice as uh as thick as what earth did yeah it's 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 uh it's it's uh punching above its weight class to use a different sports metaphor it's it's like i want a planet atmosphere um, you know, even though I'm a moon, I got a planet-level atmosphere. This is also why when we f- took our first pictures of Titan, it was essentially a featureless ball because it's got this smog at the, the top of the atmosphere, interacts with, um, with the solar radiation, and it, and it creates this smog. Um, and so we've had to fly probes past it that are uh, capable of imaging uh, at different wavelengths that can see through the smog because visible light, it's just a, a featureless ball and, uh, of, of, uh, of atmosphere. Like Venus, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so Titan is uh, is my first pick. Um, I wanted to throw in it's a good, it's a very good pick. It was high on my list, um, and although not first on my list, so I, I'm okay with that. Um, uh, the other thing that I really like about it is that Titan is one of only uh, four uh, planets or moons in the solar system that we've soft landed a probe on. So you know we've sent probes and people to the moon we've sent probes that have landed on Venus and Mars um and then we sent the Hy- hygens probe to titan uh, and so that's pretty cool outer solar system lander right there's no no place to land on Jupiter or Saturn or all that but we, but uh off of Cassini the Huygens uh probe Huygens probe Dutch Dutch pronunciations are hard um anyway it's uh it it landed and was uh operating for a little while and took lots of kind of cool pictures from the surface of Titan and that's pretty awesome we've yeah we've landed on some asteroids and a comet if you want to be picky but the idea that we've landed on on an outer solar system moon is uh, pretty cool and it was titan so uh lots of things that are great about titan
1: yep there'll be a uh, link to all the moons in the show notes and if you scroll down the wikipedia page for titan there's uh an image from Titan's surface and it's um it's pretty spectacular when you think about how far away that is
0: i am with the second pick in the moon draft <laughs> i'm going to pick europa i love europa um this is jupiter's sixth m- closest moon It's the sixth largest moon in the solar system. But the thing that makes Europa amazing is that it's the first moon where we really realized that there was liquid water somewhere other than Earth in the solar system. And that is huge in terms of the search for life. So, um, this is, uh, it's got that tenuous atmosphere, like all the other moons that aren't Titan have. So it's not going to win that battle, but, um, unlike Titan, which has this liquid chemistry on its surface, that is questionable whether there could ever be any life processes at that temperature and that combination. It's possible, but it's questionable. It's pretty, you know, it's tenuous too. But, um, here the idea is that it's an ice ball at the surface and there's a thick ice shell around it. And then inside that, is a a massive liquid ocean more water i believe more water than is in the oceans of the earth because it's just it's like um at that at that point in europa um it's water there's just water inside it it's like a it's like a little um insulated water ball (laughs) orbiting around jupiter um probably doesn't interact with the surface other than sort of cracks that bubble up right um and and some some probably a little bit of cryovolcanism um and and, and as we talked about um with Lacdewala, it's uh it's got a rocky uh rocky floor probably uh at the core which means that there could be um geothermal vents in the core and that means that it is probably the best place in the solar system other than here where we already have it to look for life um it is a it, it is a place that um that was depicted in Arthur C Clarke's book 2010 uh which I really liked actually um better than the movie there is an amazing scene about a chinese space probe that lands in, on Europa and then there was recently there was the movie Europa Report which was a sort of low budget indie science fiction movie that I liked a lot um, that is about uh, astronauts going to uh, Europa and seeing if there's life there spoiler alert. Why would you make a movie if there isn't life there? Um,
1: <laughs> the end of the movie is like, well, I guess we just go home. Like,
0: yeah, cool. <laughs> we're done. Um, and then uh, so so it's captured the imagination, which is one of the reasons it's certainly captured mine. One of the reasons I like Europa. Uh, so and and then in terms of politics, this is the moon where Congress keeps saying to NASA, no, no, no. You're going to send a probe to Europa and you're going to land something on it. And NASA's like, yeah, we'd really rather not. And Congress says, here is money. Go do it. And NASA's like, all right, I guess if you'll give us money, we'll work on it. But we won't work on it fast. <laughs> so that's Europa. It's, there's a whole story there. And it may be the next solar system body that we land a probe on um, in the 2020s sometime. We'll see.
1: So my, my next pick, the third in the draft, is uh, Neptune's largest moon, Triton. And uh, Triton, I think, is is uh, sort of a sleeper moon. It's not, and putting these notes together, <laughs> it was initially
0: not the most impressive. It was not highly rated at the moon combine, but now no, but it what, is, uh, it's shining.
1: But I think what Triton uh, lacks in Flash, he makes up for in Strangeness. So uh, it's the only large moon known to have a retrograde orbit. And uh, what this means is that the orbit the moon takes is in the opposite direction to the planet's rotation, which is... Uh, uh, interesting because there's a uh, a school of thought, and I've read a lot of differing things on this, but there is a school of thought that this orbit, uh, and in conjunction with the fact that Triton's composition is similar to Pluto's, is that Triton may actually not be a moon, but or didn't start life out as a moon, but maybe a dwarf planet or a Kuiper Belt object that yeah. got pulled into uh, orbit around Neptune thanks to the planet's gravity.
0: Thanks, Neptune. Well, I mean, Neptune actually is so influential. It's a it's a thought leader in the outer solar system. It's (laughs) it's very influential. Uh, Its gravity, you know, defines a lot of what happens out beyond Neptune's orbit. So so it would make sense and and the idea that the reason that most planets and moons spin in the same direction is because they were formed from more or less the same material and so they're and they're as was the whole solar system and so you know that that's a sign that everything is probably normal and when you get something that's going like the wrong way that's probably not normal.
1: Exactly. So I, I like that about it and um I think we should yeah, point it's actually, backward. Yeah, it's backward. It's a backward moon. Uh Triton is is several moons have this but um there's uh, geological activity on Triton. Uh, we've spoken about um, Cairo volcanoes way back, several, like maybe the first couple episodes. Um, so parts of the surface have been re-smoothed. So there's this a way of uh, estimating the age of a surface based on the number of impacts seen, right? So the, the older the surface is, the more craters will be there because things crash into it. And large parts of Triton have been smoothed over by these uh, basically nitrogen gas, uh, ice, some dust uh, flowing out uh, and resurfacing, Uh which is pretty cool. And so uh, Triton is backwards and smooth. So there you go. That's neat. Another ice ball. That's number
0: three. Uh, Yeah, and, and uh, we only have the Voyager flybys to get a good look at it.
1: That's right, yeah. Uh, that's true for several of these, uh, these outer solar system moons that everything we know is from, from one mission, uh, and uh, there's still a lot left to explore out here.
0: Yeah, I mean, Voyager 2 basically grabbed uh, Uranus and Neptune and the moons, and that's all that we've done, which I know that uh, reading some people talking about where we should explore... Uh, in the outer solar system, that some people say that uh, Uranus and Neptune would be an interesting place. One of those places would be interesting to go back to because we only have that one flyby Voyager to tell us anything about them. But still, okay, Triton that was on my list. Um, I uh, so good pick number four for me the uh, my second and the fourth pick overall in the moon draft. I'm gonna go with Enceladus uh, partially because I really apparently like picking the uh, things that are the sixth of something. And in <laughs> this case, it's the sixth largest moon of Saturn. But it is the most interesting moon of Saturn, I would say. And that's because it's um, it, it's uh, like Europa, there's a water story here. So uh, it is an ice ball. Similar to Europa, it's much smaller. Enceladus is a much smaller moon, but it's got. Uh, it was discovered when Cassini was passing through, and, and as it's been doing the last few years, the Saturn system. It they discovered that the, it has geysers. It is shooting its liquid ocean that it has, just like Europa, out into space. Um, And that is pretty awesome because that means that you can um, you can fly a spaceship through it and sample what the contents of the ocean is. You don't actually even have to land. And unfortunately, Cassini was not really designed with this in mind because Cassini discovered it. But you've got you've got the ability. It's sharing its its uh, chemistry of its oceans with us by blasting it out into space for us to see. And just the idea that there's a moon shooting off, you know, these geysers into space is pretty amazing. Pretty cool. Um, and they've got the the tiger stripe uh, design at the at the South Pole, which is probably from uh, the ice uh, ices and and water getting shot out. But uh, there there are some more complex processes uh, processes at work there too. It's a really interesting body. It is not like I said, it, it's not particularly big, but it is I would say the number two place uh, in terms of thinking about life in the solar system after Europa. Because of the same thing, this is one of these icy bodies of the outer solar system that has liquid water and cryovolcanism, and uh, you know, and yeah, you know, visit beautiful Saturn while you're there because it's a pretty planet. So it's got that going for it. So Enceladus, I pick. I gotta say, this introduces some friction into our
1: draft. That was my next on my list.
0: Ha ha! Um, See, that's af- why drafts are good. But I was afraid it was
1: going to be your first, honestly, because I know uh-huh. I figured. You've done what I suspected you would do so far.
0: Yeah, but I I I went, yeah, I know. I'm a I I'm I'm not playing I'm playing right into your hands here, which is I I am a I love the ice. I love the ice moons. So, they were my top 2. So, I'm glad I got them. There
1: you go. Uh so I'm going to go for my next pick. I'm going to go I'm going to pack up and go to Jupiter. Okay. And uh, I'm going to pick Lots I- of moons there. Lots of, lot, so Lots of moons. moons to choose. I uh, wonder which one you'll pick? I'm going to pick the innermost moon, Io.
0: All right. That's a great moon. That was uh that was high on my list. That's a good one. Good moon. So I- Io is is <laughs> <laughs> sort of The crowd cheers at the moon draft. Yeah. Io finally off the board. Woo!
1: Uh someone at home is, is taking notes just furiously. Yeah. I can't believe they didn't pick Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're going to hear from from all the people who are like my moon wasn't even on the draft. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh there's only 10 we could do. So anyways, Io, the Io uh it's the it Io I think is is interesting for a bunch of reasons. One is that it being the closest to Jupiter and Jupiter has a just a huge effect on the solar system. We really uh-huh. should get around to doing a Jupiter episode. We should um and a lot of this has to do with its uh, magnosphere, so this this area around Jupiter coming out of Jupiter that um, uh, basically interacts with these moons in a bunch of different interesting ways. And so the, the fun fact that I pulled out of a paper I read on Io is that um, like 400,000 volts of electricity can be created across its surface, uh, which is hardcore and a little bit terrifying and <laughs> it is it is the moon and the surface interacting with that magnetic field of Jupiter it uh, these these basically this stream this river of ions and the way that they interact as the moon passes through it is just really interesting and like I said terrifying because 400,000 volts is uh, not something you want to mess with
0: yeah It's the, you're going to talk about the, I mean, volcanoes are the thing that blow me away about. I mean, just looking, pictures alone make this a high draft pick because it looks like no other surface, I think, in the solar system because it is this, um, sulfur coated, volcano scarred, weird, yellowy, orangey, uh, moon. The first time the Voyagers flew past it, the first time it was, it was imaged closely, um, People have just been, you know, people were blown away by it. It certainly captured people's attention because it's it's like nothing else because it's getting squeezed constantly by the massive gravity and, you know, the tidal forces of of Jupiter. It is um, unlike anything else in the solar system.
1: Yeah. So that it's got this silicate rock and iron cores believed. And then the surface is smoothed over by basically volcanoes of sulfur. Like you said, it leads to this red and yellow and white just tapestry of color across the surface uh, it does have a thin atmosphere it's mostly sulfur dioxide um, but all of this all of this leads to it being um, one of the most geologically active objects in the entire, entire solar system it's measured around like 400 active volcanoes uh, and it's very the surfaces like we talked about uh, a couple months ago the surface is being refinished just all the time by all this activity and the colors really are spectacular. And a lot of these moons are sort of white or blue or silver. And this is just like red and yellow and orange and very different from its, from his neighbors.
0: Yeah, it gets beat up by Jupiter. And this is the result is that it's just, yeah, it's spectacular and, and so strange. So strange a place, not like any other place. So that
1: was, that was moon number five. Yeah.
0: All right. So I think technically we were going to go to 10. So we're halfway through. It's true. I think we should take a halftime break. Okay. That's great. As As is a classic uh, tradition, we'll take a halftime break and tell you about our halftime sponsor. It is a lo- our longtime liftoff sponsor, Luminos. Uh, what's really great is we're talking about moons. And uh, so I'm going to talk about moons in Luminos, because if you are having trouble picking your favorite moon, I, I doubt that. I think you're already angry at us for picking, for not picking your favorite moon yet. Uh, Luminos can help you though, because it is an all-in-one space simulator for iPad, iPhone, and Apple Watch, and it has something for every astronomy enthusiast. With a single tap, you can fly to or land on more than 170 moons in our solar system. That's the 160 that we aren't talking about and the 10 that we are. You can view each moon or planet from orbit using the amazing Luminos 3D motion effect, or you can locate any of the more than 15,000 accurately mapped surface features. Luminos recreates the solar system right in the palm of your hand. Now, Wobbleworks, I've told you about them before, they are a family business. They have more than 50 years of software experience and they've created Luminos to delight current astronomy fans and to create new ones. I I actually think moons is a great way for kids to be interested in the solar system. I remember finding out what there are other moons that are not our moon and they're weird and different and far out uh, and, and have strange qualities that was one of the things that made me interested in space in the beginning was moons so this could be a great way to show people about uh show you know show kids and other people who are interested about about moons and other stuff in the solar system it's also got the largest uh, star catalog on on mobile there's tens of thousands of asteroids and comets. There's support for wireless uh, telescope mount control and a whole lot more. You can even view live sky charts on your Apple watch. So there's one price, no paid upgrades, no in-app purchases. It's been six years now of free feature updates for Luminose. You can find out much more by going to WobbleWorks.com. Thanks to Luminose for sponsoring halftime
1: of the moon draft. All
0: right. Uh, spot number six goes to you. My oh, friend. We, I got to make, I got to make a decision. So I'm going to, um now i gotta cross out io you uh and so with my pick uh my third pick i'm gonna stay icy but i'm gonna go way way out into the outer solar system for a new a new friend uh a a fairly recently discovered moon and one that we just saw for the first time so i'm going to pick sharon the moon of pluto with uh, the sixth pick of the Moon draft. Okay. It is uh, Pluto has other moons, but this is the big one. It was discovered in the seventies, actually, when uh, telescope imaging came became just powerful enough that they could tell that Pluto kind of looked like it had a bump that moved around, and they said, you know what, that's a moon. Um, and I believe the guy who discovered it, his wife' name was Sharon, and so they named it after the I think it's I think Sharon is the boat of the underworld something like that i think so uh, but it's it's cheating uh <laughs> but it's great so now we've seen it and now we've seen it up close and what's really interesting about it from new horizons is that it um it doesn't look like pluto it is a very different kind of um of of surface than pluto it's sort of white and uh much less uh geologically active it's got big craters on it um and uh, so it's it's a very interesting surface in its own right, very different from P- Pluto. I'm also picking it despite the fact that this may be a risky pick for me, because um, everything about Pluto, you know, Pluto was originally a planet, and now it's been sort of demoted to be a dwarf planet, a minor planet, and uh, there is a risk here that that Sharon is going to be demoted from being a moon because. The uh, center of orbit of Pluto and Charon is outside of Pluto. So you could argue that they're a double planet, a double dwarf planet system instead, and that Charon is a peer-ish to Pluto. But I'm not going to argue that. I think it's a moon, and this is the moon draft, and so I'm going to pick it. So I think it's a really Pluto's, Pluto's companion out there in the far reaches of the solar system. That's
1: uh that was actually next on my list. Uh, uh, I was going to take the risk because I think it's so cool. And it, uh, of course, has been in the news a lot recently. So uh, yeah. there's a there's a sense of some some someplace familiar that that gains points in my book when it comes to the moon draft. All right. So I'm now I'm now off script. So um, this is we're entering our oh. territory. I am going to pick I think I'm going to go with uh Iapetus next. It is uh we got to place it of course. It's Saturn's third largest moon. Its orbit is inclined, so Saturn's other moons are in line with the rings. So if you were standing on the surface of another moon around Saturn, you the rings would be a very thin line across uh, your field of view. But this is uh inclined, so different points along its orbit. You can see more of the rings if you were on its surface, which is pretty cool. It has a bright hemisphere and a dark hemisphere. So if you look at photos of it, it looks kind of like two things smashed together uh, a little bit. And yeah. uh, that may actually indeed be the case because I think what I think is the most interesting thing here is there's this huge ridge uh, that basically wraps around like 75% of the moon. And uh, this big ridge is much higher than the terrain around it. And there's lots of... Different theories about why this may be the case. It may be that Iapetus uh, that it wasn't round, and as it, it, that it is still in the process of rounding out under its own gravity, and that it is we're just seeing that sort of that process wrap up. And of course, that process is very slow, so to us, it just looks like a ridge that's maybe always been there, or perhaps it is some sort of uh, geological activity within pushing out around the equator and making this ridge come up Uh, either way it's it's not real clear uh what's going on there um and it's uh it's an icy moon it's made of roughly 80 percent ice so um it's uh it's a it's a weird spot i think around saturn
0: i like uh i like a mystery and this has got it also it seems unclear i thought that it was clearer now but it seems like there's still some questions about why it's got the dark so it's it's leading hemisphere go as it orbits is dark and then its trailing hemisphere is light. And actually, if you look, depending on the angle, what's funny about it, and one of the things I like about it is there's like a splatter pattern. So that if you're if you're seeing kind of the edge of the dark, there is a region where it's sort of splattered mm-hmm. with with the dark material, um, and then it turns. And I believe this is the object in the solar system with the most variation in uh, in its brightness because it's got this really dark half and really bright half um and it's just cool the idea that it's it's got this uh strange process that is uh making it uh, like this dirty moon on the front side yeah. and on the back side it's super bright and icy uh it's it's really weird looking
1: it is and it's got that ridge um which is like 10 kilometers high in places it's all it's all just uh it's a little yeah. unusual out there so that is yeah a-
0: that's- that is that is a weird moon that's actually why it was in the the ten that we put together is that it's a super weird moon um and uh so I think that's a good pick uh, for number six uh I am gonna go so I have one more on my list, so okay. I'm gonna pick that now uh because it's a draft and that's it's my job to do that I'm gonna pick Ganymede so Ganymede is the uh seventh moon of Jupiter. Um, but it is, uh, it's big. I think that's the best, the best thing about it. Um, I, I think I like the value of, uh, of, uh, of Ganymede because it's, uh, it's, uh, bigger than Mercury. (laughs) So essentially I'm getting a planet in the moon draft, which I think is a pretty good deal. I think so. um, it's not it's not as it, it's not as massive as mercury but it's got a larger um it's got a larger diameter than than mercury and it's um it's twice as massive as our moon um and larger than titan um so so it's number 1 on moon on the moon list by by uh by size so i like that about it it's not that interesting the reason it's so low down on the list is it's not that interesting to look at it is rocky and icy uh you know it's big enough that it's got an iron core it it may have an internal ocean um but it probably is less likely to be um a place where life could form because it's probably a layer with uh sort of ice and solid material around it instead of having like rocky vents so it's a little less likely that it would be a place where life would happen um it's uh, it's the only moon with a magnetic field because it's got the rocky core, but it's at Jupiter, and Jupiter's magnetic field, as you mentioned, with Io, just totally overwhelms. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, never mind. <laughs> uh, but it's still, it's a really interesting, uh, it's a really interesting place and uh, it's got the planetary value going for it. And the other thing I'll say about it is that, again, I'm going to go back to science fiction. Uh, there's a book that I read when I was in high school that I really liked called The Gentle Giants of Ganymede, um, which seems like it would be a, a book from a time when uh, people didn't understand about Ganymede, but actually, it's not. It's, it's, um, the science in it is pretty decent. It's by a guy named James P. Hogan, who was the science fiction writer who lived in my hometown. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a sequel to his book, Inherit the Stars, which is also pretty great. I think I mentioned that on a previous ap- episode of this podcast. And it does involve a crashed, uh, spaceship, an ancient crashed spaceship that they find on Ganymede. Um, and so that's uh, that's uh, pretty cool. So that was enough to tick it over. Plus, just like I said, it's planetary value for a moon price. So Ganymede.
1: Yeah, that that magnetic field would definitely be, I think, a bigger deal if it wasn't, like you said, completely overwhelmed by what's going on uh, around Jupiter. And um, there's a I came across, I think it's in the Wikipedia article, a uh, basically a diagram of what it, of what it looks like. And it, it like you said, it, it's just a blip in this much larger system of of, uh, uh, ions. So I'm going to go to Uranus next. All right. And I'm going to go with, uh, Titania. So it is the largest moon around Uranus. It's orbit. Like, like we've been talking about, it's inside the magnetic, uh, influence of Uranus. And, um, I feel like maybe we had left this planet off the list. Maybe this is why this is on here. It's, it's, I think it's, relatively um kind of standard fare it's 50/50 rock core with an ice mantle um there is uh frozen carbon dioxide on the surface which is is rare in the outer solar system so the but the rest of it is water ice like we've talked about before you know it's important to remember this is not water ice like we think of it this water ice is like it's rock hard and mountains are made out of it uh very different uh properties when you get that cold the surface is marked um, with some craters and some canyons. Um, but all, most all of Uranus's moons lo- appear uh, much older than this, so there may have been some resurfacing at some point. Um, but we don't know much about it because like so, so many of these other bodies, the only time we've really seen it is with the Voyager probe. And there are no future missions at this point scheduled to go look at this thing. So um, what we know of it is is just from Voyager 2. And I think... Um, there may be some more interesting stuff out here, but until we go back, that stuff is relatively untapped.
0: I, you know, I think it is important to have Uranus be um, reflected, right? It's a big planet. Its moons aren't that interesting, but um, uh, it's worth having it be present as it rolls around on its side like a like a bowling ball uh, in the outer solar system. I think the... Um, I think the most interesting thing about Uranus's moons in general is that they're named for like Shakespeare characters. Yeah. Unlike most Uranus is all messed up. It's, it's a, it's the wrong set of mythology for, for its name. And then it's, um, it's got all of these Shakespeare characters for its moons and stuff. So, uh, and it's also confusing because Titania isn't Titan. So if you're like, yeah, I got Titan, which you also got. So it's fine. You've bookended your draft with Titan and Titania, but, um, it is a little confusing, but I like that it's uh, all Shakespeare stuff out there at Uranus. All right, uh, we have one moon left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm 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 gonna I could I guess I could pick any moon now. I don't need to pick moon number ten, but I think it's worth put again. Some planets need to be represented here. So with the tenth pick, the last pick in our moon draft, I am gonna go with Phobos. Okay. The the larger of the two Martian moons. I Man, your pick has a deadline on it. I guess. Yeah, so... it does. Well, okay. In 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 fifty million years, that I think that's a little bit like saying when you draft a, a football player out of college that you know he he's probably not gonna have to retire when he turns forty. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. Okay, but but it's good. Let's live live for now. In fact, some discussion. I'm gonna I'm gonna up my game here a little bit. Some discussion of Mars colonization says that what we what we need to do is not the the um, surface of Mars because it's got the perchlorates in it and stuff like that may not actually be particularly Hospitable for humans, so one thought that some people have had about us exploring Mars is that we set up an outpost on Phobos and that it basically use it as a space station and that and from that vantage point, why would you send humans to Phobos and not down to the surface of Mars? Well, one advantage you would get is you could control all of your robot probes and rovers and stuff remotely without the many hours of time lag. You could basically control them from, you know, from Mars orbit in real time, which would allow many more, uh, many more things to be done in terms of exploring the surface of Mars, because you could, like virtual reality drive a mars rover around and we can't do that now because we're too far away so phobos actually in some people's minds might be uh the beachhead that we use to spend much more time at mars maybe even before we ever land people on mars so i think that's interesting i was always as a kid disappointed by phobos and deimos the two martian moons because they're like captured asteroids they're not round they're they're very sad It, it actually shows you how lucky we are uh to have our big nice round moon that we've got because uh Mars you know, Venus and Mercury got nothing and Mars has these two rocks that yeah. go around it. Yeah, but, Phobos is not very big, right? It's like twenty seven
1: kilometers long.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's a potato. It's a little potato that's <laughs> circling around Mars. But like I said, I think interesting in the sense that you could use it as a beachhead. Um and uh, as we've reported in previous episodes, it will break apart at some point, and that will be sad, and we'll say RIP to Phobos. But in the meantime, it could be interesting and useful, and uh, it gives Mars some extra character to have those little guys up there floating around. So why not throw it in as a as a, a little bit of a pity pick at number 10? But there it is, Phobos.
1: That's a good draft. We just There's had. a lot
0: of moons, a lot of interesting moons in this solar system of ours, don't you think?
1: Yeah, it's you know it's, we have the
0: best one though. I think we have the best one.
1: Well, it's definitely the closest. I think. Um, I think what I was impressed with in preparing for this is just the, the vast, um, uh, diversity in them. Right, that you've got small, fast, icy moons. You've got giant ones shooting sulfur. See, so you have ones with atmospheres. Just, the whole, just the whole gamut is covered in the in the solar system. Yeah, they've
0: got personalities. I mean some of them are samey and a lot of the ones we didn't pick it's like these little moons around Saturn and 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 Jupiter that are not as interesting but um a lot of them have uh, some remarkable personalities and it shows you the diversity of of uh of planetary bodies just in our own solar system you know let alone when you start to think about exoplanets and what might be happening around those and the fact that people who talk about exoplanets one of the things they suggest is that you know life in other parts of the universe may not end up have having evolved on uh planets but potentially around uh on moons around bigger you know giant planets so it, you know, that that's a possibility too. But even in our own solar system where that isn't what happened, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on around planets. So moons are not boring. Moons are in some cases, I think moons are the most interesting thing about some of these places. I think so too. Hmm? So uh Let's yeah. move for moons. That was good. All right, so I so so you've got Titan and Triton yes. and Titania. <laughs> Wow! Plus Io and Iapetus. So you've got the three Ts and the two Is. Yep,
1: and I got three of my top five in my paper list.
0: That's good. I got I I got uh, I got about that. I got I got three or four of the ones that I was hoping I would get. Um, but you did snipe a couple of mine. There you go. Uh, But but I got Europa and Enceladus. I got the I got the water the water E moons. Uh, I got Sharon, which is a, a little bit of a dark horse, but I like that we know much more about it than we did a year ago. Uh, Ganymede, you know, it's big. I'm going for volume there, and then and then uh, yeah, Phobos. It's uh, not real estate speculation long term, but still,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, if we land there, then I think that pick goes way up in value. So. Oh yeah, well,
0: it's, I'm taking a chance. To, at the bottom of the draft, you take a risk. That's right. On a moon that might have some upside about it.
1: There you go. I like that. I like that that way of thinking. So if you want to yell at us about our moon picks, there are a bunch of different ways you can do that. You can send us an email. Uh, if you go to the show notes for this week, uh, relay.fm slash liftoff slash 15, all these moons will be listed in the order in which they were picked. And there's a contact link there on the sidebar. You can check us out uh, on Twitter at liftoffpodcast. You can in touch with Jason on Twitter, he's at jsnell, and of course writes 6 dot And I am I some h on Twitter and write five twelve pixelsnet
0: I would love for people to write in and and tell us what uh, what moons that they love that we didn't select in build, our top ten moons.
1: Build your case for the moons yeah. that we left out, and uh, maybe there'll be a second a second round someday. You can, of course, uh, find both of us writing and linking to stuff uh, on the uh, the Tumblr at uh, liftoffpodcast.space. Man, that's some, so much fun to say. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think I think that uh, does it for this uh, fortnight.
0: I think so. I, we've got uh, a fortnight is uh, fourteen days, and uh, we've got ten moons. So that's uh, I don't know what the math is there, but that's a lot of moons. <laughs> Till next time, uh, say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, May the moon be with you. Sure. (laughs) Adios.